add my welcome to you all. It's a joy to worship the Lord together with you. And I want to invite you now to turn, if you would, in your Bibles or your electronic devices to the Gospel of John. And we are again in chapter 3. The missional community that I, I belong to recently took the time to rehearse uh, telling our personal testimonies of turning and following Jesus in 15 seconds, a little tool that we have promoted to you. And, and so, for example, there was a time in my life when I was self-righteous and self-absorbed, but then Jesus for, forgave me of my sins, and I made a commitment to follow him, and since then I've become merciful and more mindful of others. That's probably 17 or 18 seconds, actually. But, uh, of course, bearing testimony to Jesus and what he has done in our lives in 20 seconds or less has significant limitations to it. How can anyone adequately explain the vast depths and riches and glorious wisdom of this great salvation in three sentences or so? What vocabulary is adequate and, and yet doesn't sound like you're just speaking gospelish? Nevertheless, um, despite its limitations, the, the genius of this little tool is manifold. Since it's so brief, it, it, it's gentler. <laughs> it's, it's less in-your-face confrontational. It's versatile, self-righteous, self-absorbed. I mean, oh my, uh, th these are far from a comprehensive description of my brokenness prior to turning to Jesus. Depending on the person with whom I am bearing this brief testimony, I can substitute any number of countless besetting characteristics of my pre-Christ following life. There was a time when I was proud. There was a time in my life when I was a slave to the approval of people. There was a time in my life when I suffered from depression and languished in discontentment. There was a time in my life when my, my addiction to success was doing untold harm to my marriage. The list goes on and on and on and on. But the point is... I'm the worst sinner that I know. This 15-second tool is also poignant because it keeps Christ at the center. It keeps Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus' lordship joined together. That is so, that's so essential. But then Jesus forgave me of my sins and... I made a commitment to follow him. And then it highlights the gospel's functionality. And this is so crucial in terms of the, the core values of our church. Now, now I'm merciful. Now I'm mindful of others. Now I am free from the tyranny of pleasing people. Now, because I am joined to Jesus, I'm not like I was. 
Now, because I'm united to Christ and Christ's life, I am new. This is a brilliant tool, and I commend it to you. And of course, it's only one of many other tools in our bearing testimony toolbox. And I I make reference to it here because the focus of John chapter 3, verses 22 to 26, is all about bearing testimony. It's about comparing and contrasting two testimonies, and it's ultimately about a testimony that is above all other testimonies. So I invite you now to follow along. I'm going to read John chapter 3, verses 22 to 36. This is God's holy and authoritative word. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anan near Salim because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, bear me witness, that I said I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 
These are God's words. Let's pray. We ask again, O Lord, believe this is according to your will, that you would open our eyes to see glory, beauty, the fullness of Christ. Help us to see dimensions of this great Savior perhaps we have not seen before. We worship a Savior who is an infinite God. There's more to be discerned and more to be known. More to be experienced and so open our hearts as well. Let the the beauties and the glories of this great Savior fill us with affection that we have not known before. Enlarge our capacity to feel the wonder of our great salvation. Help us to hear you now, Lord. Help us to see you now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In John chapter 3, verse 22, Jesus has returned to the, he's returned from Jerusalem uh, back into the Judean countryside and he is making and baptizing disciples. And in verse 23, John the Baptist is also in that same area baptizing people as an expression of their repentance for sin. And, and what's going on out there at the Jordan River is drawing people's attention. And, and while it's all going on, a discussion arose. <laughs> Given the increased attention Jesus is now receiving, discussions were no doubt rising all the time. Um, but one particular discussion prompted the disciples of John the Baptist to come to him and say, this is verse 26, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. Now, in that statement, you, you, you can kind of feel it, right? It, there's just a measure of concern on the part of John's disciples, C- clear momentum shift in his ministry, people who had been coming to John and who had been aligned with John are now, they're now going to Christ. And it's remarkable to John the Apostle who is recording this narrative that John the Baptist is, he, he's not discouraged about that. He, he's not dispirited, he's not put off, he's not hurt, he's not envious, he's not, none, none of these hard things. Rather, he is rejoicing in it. Look at verses 27 to 30. John answered, person can't receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom stands and hears him. 
He's happy to hear his voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And, and this does not mean that, you know, all the fun is over for John. You know, like, oh man, I had a good thing going. Joy's over now. No, he, it means that his joy is full. The fact that people are going to Jesus is a cause for John to feel great satisfaction. Why? Well, it's because this is the fulfillment of John's mission. Bearing testimony to Jesus is John the Baptist's God-given purpose. This is the good work for which God had called John, prepared John, shaped John to walk in. What John is doing right now, here, in this, in this time, is, is the vocational expression of the Lord's claim upon his life. John's great joy, it's, it's his great satisfaction, his fullness is just living out this God-given, God-designed, God-planned vocation, namely, to call people's attention to Jesus Christ. That's true for us also, by the way. When we live in the, in the good of our God called, God-purposed, God-planned, God-designed, God-prepared claim, it, it's just satisfying and full. Look at John 1, 6-7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John bore witness, verse 15. John bore witness about him. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. One commentator observes that John's entire purpose and mission can be summed up in three words. Not me, him. And that's exactly what we see. It's exactly what we see in John 1, 19 to 34. And here's the, here's the culminating phrase. John 1, 34, John the Baptist says, I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now what I want you to notice is that John the Apostle, who's writing this narrative, he, he repeats nearly, I mean almost verbatim, the exact same content in John chapter 3, verses 27 to 30. Look at verse 28. Here's a summary statement. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. And, and the question we must ask is, why? Why does John the Apostle, the author of this narrative, draw attention again? He comes back again here in chapter 3 to something he already and so thoroughly had drawn attention to in chapter 1. Why does he return, repeat? Why does he bring it up again? And here's the reason. John the Apostle wants to get the idea of 
testimony back into our minds. John means to get this concept, this idea, this, this practice of bearing, someone bearing testimony to something, someone bearing testimony to someone else back into the center of our attention and into the center of the discussion. And it's because he wants to call attention to an even greater testimony than the testimony of John the Baptist. Having reintroduced his readers to John the Baptist's testimony, John the Apostle is now going to compare and contrast John the Baptist's testimony to a greater testimony, a higher testimony, a more authoritative and powerful testimony. Look at verse 31. And, and, and pay attention that in verse 31, uh, th this is now John the Apostle talking and reflecting and commentating, I believe, on Jesus' testimony to Nicodemus that was recorded in John 3, 3 to 21. So here's, here's John the Apostle writing, He who comes from above is above all. That's Jesus. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. That's John the Baptist. He who comes from heaven is above all. That's Jesus. So, so John the Apostle, he, now he's not making some moral judgment about John the Baptist. He's not criticizing him. He's not putting him down. He's not making negative comments about John the Baptist's character or his competence or even his testimony per se. He's simply describing the finiteness of John the Baptist. He's describing the limitations of John the Baptist. He's saying, you know what? John the Baptist cannot, could not reveal heavenly things. John the Baptist could not baptized with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist could not offer new birth from above. That's because he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But then John the, Baptist, or John the Apostle goes on and he says, he who comes from heaven is above all. In other words, there, there are there, there are different levels of authoritative testimony. There's a testimony that comes from heaven, a testimony that comes from the ultimate location of authority and truth. It, it, it reminds me of my childhood when my mother would say, you wait till your father gets home implying that dad's words had more authority. It's what happens at school when the teacher says, you go down to the principal's office. That's because the principal has more authority. It's like an email message with a directive from your boss. And then, and then the next day you get another 
message, but it's from the regional manager. Day after that, you get another message with a directive, and this time it's from the president of the company. You know, it's, it's kind of going up the ladder, so to speak. Whether it's at home or at school or at work, there, there is always some kind of peak of highest authority, which no matter which of those categories it may be, home, school, work, etc., etc., that authority really only covers uh, a small number of people relatively speaking, right? It's minuscule compared to the number of all the people in the world. But the authority that we're talking about now in John chapter 3, specifically verse 31, is an authority that is above and it is over all the categories of your life, whether it's parenting or working or whatever it is. This testimony, this testimony is over everybody who has ever lived. This testimony, this message, this word is from heaven. And it towers over all of life. It towers over everyone's life. This is the highest authority imaginable. This word, this testimony is straight from God for he who comes from heaven is above all. Look at verse 32. He, this is Jesus now, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard. This is an astonishing verse because John the Baptist, and he bears witness to what he's seen and heard, right? He's, he's seen and heard Christ, and so he bears witness to Christ. But Christ bears witness to what he has seen and heard. And as you can probably imagine, this testimony, <laughs> what Jesus has seen and heard, cannot be expressed adequately in 15 seconds. Loved ones, just imagine, just try to think of what Jesus has seen and heard. From the beginning, He was with God. He was God. He is God. It's, it's not like Jesus was kind of this... Uh, you know, one-time ticket guest into heaven gets shown around, and you know, now he's bearing witness to everybody to what he's seen and heard on that tour that he got of heaven. No, heaven is Jesus' home. It's been his dwelling place from eternity past. He is the eternal son, the one-of-a-kind son. He is very God of very God. He existed before the galaxies were made. He was present and active in the creation of all things, imperfect, infinite, eternal, unison with the mind and purpose of God. Oh, he has seen some things. He's heard some things. And all the things that Jesus has seen and heard 
He's behind all of those things. He's over all of those things. He's been in all of those things. It's not as if he's some like external spectator of what's going on. No, the, the eternal counsel of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus has seen and heard it all because he's in it. He is essential and he is central to the authority of it, this testimony that he brings. Loved ones, it is an awesome thing to try to get your head around all that Jesus Christ has seen and heard. John the Baptist's testimony, oh, that's powerful stuff. It is powerful stuff. Jesus himself refers to John the Baptist in John 5.35 as a burning and shining light. John the Baptist has great testimony. But this testimony, the testimony Christ is able to give. Well, let's, let's look at verses 34 to 35. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Notice three things here about about what Christ brings as part of his testimony. He, first, first, he utters the very words of God. God speaking when he speaks. Second, he, 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 the, the, he gives the Spirit of God without measure. No, there's no limit. Unlike all the other prophets who gone before who spoke the words of God and they only had you know, a measure, some measure of the Spirit of God. Jesus has the Spirit without measure. He's full of grace and truth. He's full of the, the very fullness of God. And thirdly, He has been given all things. In other words, Jesus has been given complete authority over everything. So, that means it's it's nothing. It's nothing for him to turn water into wine. He has been given authority over all things. It's nothing for him to come to some guy who's born blind, who's never seen it one day in his life and speak a word and the man sees. It's nothing. It's nothing for Jesus to address a, a dead man and tell him, rise up, and the man rises up. It's nothing for Jesus to speak to five little loaves and two small fish and have it become food for thousands of people. And that's because for Jesus, all things have been given into his hand. And these are the things then that define Jesus' testimony And this is why John the Apostle writes in verse 33, whoever receives his testimony can say, God is true. It's because Jesus is God. 
It's because God is in Christ. God is in Christ because Christ is God. Jesus is so completely God in what He says that that everything He says, God says and does. And only what God says and does, that to believe Jesus is to believe God because Jesus is God. That makes sense? That's why back in John chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. Who's the we? Who's this we? Well, the we is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We speak. Jesus is saying, when when I speak, we speak. The intimacy and the communion between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's, it's incomprehensible. And so, He whom God has sent utters the words of God. So when the Son comes speaking, when the Son comes bearing testimony, He comes directly from heaven. And when Jesus speaks, there's, there's no higher testimony. There's no more authoritative testimony. There's no more true testimony. There's no more powerful testimony. And so of all the things, all the things there are to believe, what Jesus says is to be believed. Of all the things to believe, believe what Jesus is saying. Why? Listen carefully. We, we, we need to get this. This is the burden of this passage. Why is it so important to believe Jesus' testimony? One, what Jesus says is the most authoritative testimony. It's the most trustworthy testimony. It's the highest, heaviest, weightiest, most excellent testimony ever spoken. So crucial. To this needs to land on us, and we remember this. It's because you know we we live in this. Uh, we live our lives in this world that is just so inundated with words and messages and testimonies and um, you know we hear instructions from our spouses you know what to get at the store what to do and what's on the schedule and hear instructions from teachers on how to do homework and we get instructions from supervisors as to you know what's on the, the the list of things to do with our job. We, get, we, get, we hear financial advice. We get medical advice. We hear technical advice. We, we hear local news, national news, global news. There's, there are stats and scores and standings and fantasy leagues. And, and, and if that's not enough, then social media is just bent and bent on filling up every last empty space in terms of what 
you know, we, we give our attention to so much to the degree that we, we miss paying attention to the word, the voice, the testimony that's above them all. And this, I believe, is what Jesus is probably referring to in verse 11. And verse 32, he says it again. He says, we, we, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I mean, here's, here's like the most important thing in all the world, and nobody's paying attention. Not looking, not listening, not receiving. But here's something encouraging. Um, You're here. You're here. God brought you here. (laughs) And here is an opportunity for you to hear and listen, which leads to a second reason why it is so important to listen to the testimony of Jesus. Not only is it the most authoritative testimony, but what Jesus has to say is the best testimony ever. So what is Jesus saying? And, And here is the crucial verse. Look at verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. We already heard Jesus say this once in verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. John already pointed our attention to it in chapter 1, verse 4. In Him, in Jesus, was life. We're going to hear Jesus say it again and again, and John say it again and again and again throughout this gospel. John 5, 24. Whoever hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has eternal life. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. John 10.10, I came that they may have life. I'm the resurrection and the life, John 11.25. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life, 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 life. This is the testimony that God gives. It is the highest and the best testimony you could ever hear, will ever hear, and ever receive. Life. And it comes to us in Christ. And since it is the greatest news, the greatest testimony, the most authoritative testimony, then failing to believe it, 
failing to receive it, failing to obey it, is the greatest disaster any human being can ever experience. Just think of the logic of it. If something is the highest, it's the greatest, most valuable, most authoritative, most glorious, most wise, most wonderful thing one can hear, then failing to receive it is the most horrible, disastrous thing that could ever be. So, listen carefully. It would be cruel of me, terribly cruel of me not to draw your attention to this. Whoever believes in the Son has life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Listen carefully. When you hear it proclaimed, when you hear it proclaimed that God is only love, only merciful, and that God loves us unconditionally, then, well, then what reason would there be for anyone to feel any concern? What reason would anyone feel to cry out, what must I do to be saved? That's a cruel testimony. That's dealing out false assurance that everything is okay because God is only love. That is a lopsided testimony. That is a distorted testimony. That is an an incomplete and therefore ultimately false testimony. My dear friends, God's wrath is real. And it is against all those who remain independent from God. And that wrath is being stored up like water behind a great dam. And I tell you that God's wrath is not like our sometimes uncontrolled emotion. God's wrath is without sin. God's wrath is without any extreme or error in its expression. And I tell you that it is already at work in giving people over to the bitter fruit of their evil choices. But, but loved ones, um, that's, that's, that's only the faintest foretaste of the wrath which is to come. And I'll tell you that the very last thing that you would want to encounter on the other side of the grave is the wrath of God. And so the greatest news, the best news that I can tell you is that there is a Savior 
that there is an answer to the question, what shall I do? And that answer is believe. And don't just believe that he existed as a person in history. You believe in, you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The good news that God's Word makes so crystal clear is that Jesus came and bore the wrath of God on the cross for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. God so loved the world that He gave His only, His one-of-a-kind Son to bear the wrath for us in our place. In in these simple but profound words, John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has life. This is the testimony above all other testimonies. This is the testimony that's better than all the other testimonies. Have you heard this? Have you believed this? Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you've heard this like over and over and over and over and over again. But, but, But there comes a point when you must receive it. Have you heard it? Have you believed it? Have you received it? Maybe you've lived your life on maybe a whole lot more complicated realm and the testimony that you have heard is, you know, it's, it's either distorted or like some ambient background noise. Have you heard this? Do you hear this? Will you believe what Jesus has said? And maybe you have heard it. And yet you know in your heart that you've never come to that decisive point of turning to Jesus and making a wholehearted commitment to Jesus, to following Him. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are today. The testimony is for you. Christ invites you to receive salvation from judgment and receive life through Him. And may all the praise be to Jesus. Let's pray.